turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. As you can see up on the screen, if you want to use one of the pew Bibles in front of you, it's got the page number there. Uh, We are in a series on the ways that we worship. Not so much why we worship. I mean, Scripture is just full of telling us this is what you should worship, you should worship, you should sing, you should pray, all these sorts of things. Um, But more the issue of what should be going on inside of us. What should it look like in all of these different ways that we worship God when we come together corporately? And I hope you notice the sermon did not, the series did not end last week. We did singing last week, which I think everyone would agree, yes, that's worship. Um, We're still going because there's lots of other things that we do when we gather. Today, we're gonna talk about prayer. And again, we're not not asking a question of why should we pray when we come together. That's simply commanded in scripture. We are told to pray. We're told to pray for each other, with each other. We have lots of examples in the book of Acts. We have examples of the church coming together and praying. We're commanded to do this. We know the church has done this down through the ages. We wanna ask the question like, What should we expect from that? What what should it look like? How should we be doing those things? So I'm going to read Luke chapter 11, the first 13 verses where Jesus is teaching on prayer appropriately enough. And if you're at all familiar with the church, it should sound familiar to you because this is the Lord's prayer. And you've probably heard of that if you've been around a church at all, but it's the shorter one. The one that most people know comes from the book of Matthew. This is the one from the book of Luke. He's teaching another time. So follow along with me. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you come to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus is asked by his disciples, look, how should we pray? And he tells them. First, he gives them some examples, like here's some ways you should pray. And then he tells these two interesting stories. So first, let's look at what he says. Here's what you should say, Jesus says. And he starts out, Father, hallowed be thy name. Now, again, if you've hung out at church, you've heard this before, or you've heard the longer version from Matthew, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, hallowed be thy name. That may not sound like much. That is a revolutionary statement. For, for his day, and his age, Jesus, 
always calls God Father. Always. There's only one time in all of the Gospels that Jesus ever calls God, God. And that's when he's on the cross and he quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's the only time he ever calls God, God. He always addresses him as Father. It gets him into trouble. Many times, people don't like that he calls God Father because it's too intimate. It's too close. Calling God Dad, like they're just not okay with that. They like the second part, hallowed be your name. Now again, you probably haven't used hallowed any time in a conversation lately, but it means to make something holy, to set it apart, to sanctify it. When I was growing up as a kid, we ate our meals around a circular table, which was off to the side of the kitchen in our house. We had a Dunwoody split, by the way. Many of you probably know what that means. You know exactly where the little round table went in the kitchen. That's where we would eat our meals. And next to the kitchen, we had a dining room. And in the dining room, there was a table that one never ate at. And there was a there was a hutch all, kicking up the whole wall full of plates that one never ate on because they were hallowed. They were special. Thanksgiving, Christmas, the pastor comes over for lunch. Something important had to happen. When, from when I was a kid growing up till when my parents lived there uh, until, you know, uh, we had long since married, left, had kids, gone on the mission field. We'd come back from the mission field on furlough, be staying with my parents for a while. If I'm hungry, I go downstairs and I open the kitchen cabinets and I get out a plate or a bowl or whatever and I, I make my food. If there's no plates there, I would never in a million years go into the china hutch and take out one of those plates and microwave it. The <laughs> terrible things would happen. Those plates were holy. I would go in the dishwasher and find a dirty one and wash it before I would touch the plates in the china hutch. That's what Jesus says. Jesus puts these two things together that shouldn't go together in the world of the Jews that he is living in. He puts father, dad, this familial term of intimacy together with hallowed. And they're the first two words out of his mouth. I mean, they're the first two words out of the mouth in the, in the language that Luke is writing in. Father, hallowed. Those two don't go together in this world. And really, they don't really go together in our world either. I mean, we tend to swing to one of those two extremes when we think about God, when you ask people about God. Either God is hallowed, He's set apart. He's like those dishes in the china cabinet. Beautiful to look at, but, but don't touch. Never used normally. He's out there somewhere. He's powerful. He's important. He's wonderful. But wow, I could count on both my hands the number of times I walked in the dining room as a kid, probably. You don't go near him. He's hallowed. We either have that view of God or we have the complete opposite view of God, which is, oh yeah, me and Jesus, me and God, he's right here, he's with me. Like, yeah, oh sure, my brother, my friend. We have this view of God as very close and very intimate and he's here all the time. But I mean, in many cases, he's not even really a person. He's just kind of a force and he certainly doesn't get mad at you about anything. We have a caricature so often of God. Either we have the caricature of the, of the stern, distant God. Remember the far side? 
one of my favorite cartoons. It's God watching people on the screen. And he's, it's like he's in a, you know, a space shuttle or something. He's got all these controls. But in the middle, there's just this big, huge button that says smite. And he's watching someone with his hand over the smite button. Either we have that character of God or we have the opposite character of, oh yeah, yeah, God, he, yeah, he's, he's Santa Claus. He loves everybody. Everything's fine. He just wants you to be happy. That's all God wants. He just, whatever you want is great. Our world, we have one of two of these characters of God and Jesus slaps both of them right in front of us. First two words out of his mouth. Father, hallowed. And we gotta hold those two in tension when we pray. They're both true. We come to God as father, but wow, he is still God. You know, I don't know if you've ever lived any place where they have royalty, but we lived in Belgium and there was a king. There was King Albert of Belgium. Can you imagine walking into King Albert's bedroom one evening and saying, hey, Al, I'm thirsty. Could I have some water? Right? I mean, you're going to get the absolute best case scenario is you are escorted out by some very large special forces guys who watch his bedroom. Right? Worst case scenario is, is a lot worse than that. However, there are two people that can walk into the King Albert's bedroom and say, I'd like some water. That's his son and his daughter. And if his daughter, Gabriel, walks into the bedroom one night and says, Father, Dad, can I have some water? The king gets up out of bed, goes to the sink, and gets her some water. Why? She's his daughter. Now, he is still the king. He never stops being the king for one moment. He doesn't put kingship aside when he steps out of bed and gets her a drink. That's what Jesus says to us, these first two words. We have to hold both these things together. He is absolutely the the holy, hallowed, powerful God. And he is also our father. And then he says to us, your kingdom come. And this is another good one, I think, to remember. Because we've got to ask ourselves, what do we really want? I mean, most of prayer is asking for things. It is here. You know, look at this. It's three verses. Two of them are asking for things, and they're longer than the first one. Most of prayer is asking. But what do we really want at the end of the day? Anybody here ever prayed desperately for something and then been so grateful when God said no? Because you knew what you know now, you didn't know back then. You desperately wanted X and God said no because what you needed was Y. And you didn't know it at the time and you didn't make sense at the time and you didn't like it at the time. But you look back on it and as Garth Brooks says, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Because it's so true. He knows so much better than we do. Your kingdom come. Just like we've got to hold those two things in tension. That this is the all-powerful creator, sovereign of the universe we are talking to. And this is our heavenly father, our dad. Both those things we hold is true. We also remind ourselves, I think Jesus is telling us, that ultimately what we want is for God's kingdom. What God wants is ultimately what we want. Even if it's not what we're asking for right now. Because we don't know. We don't know the future. We don't know where things are going to go. Your kingdom come, Jesus says. He reminds us of these things. Because, frankly, they're easy to forget. It's easy to forget that we come to God as his children. We have this special access that nobody else has. 
I mean, lots of people can petition King Albert II of Belgium. That doesn't mean he's going to listen to them, and it certainly doesn't mean he's going to do what they say. As his children, we get to petition the king. Oh, he is still the king. We need to remember that. It's so easy to forget. We need to remember that at the end of the day, we want what he wants. Because what he wants is always best. Though it doesn't often, it doesn't always seem that way at the time. We think we want what we want. That's why we want it. We wouldn't want it if we didn't think it was right for us. We have to hold these things because it is so easy to forget. Now, the next set he goes into, wow, I mean, we don't forget these things. And do you notice how it's phrased? Give us, forgive us, lead us. Each of these is a request to God. We're asking God for something. Those first ones, Father, hallowed, kingdom come, they're not requests. I mean, they're, they're grammatically, we're not asking God for them, we're stating them. They are third-person singular imperatives, if you care, any linguistic geeks out there. So, they're not requests, we're not asking, we're stating it. This is true. We're not saying, oh, God, please be my father. We're saying, you are my father. We're not saying, oh, God, you need to sanctify your name. Oh, no, it's, it's hallowed. He is God, that's no question. We're not asking God, Lord, Please, you should make your will done. Oh, it's coming, baby. Whatever it is he wants, it is going to happen. His kingdom is coming. You can't stop it. We state those things. We're reminding ourselves. These next three we're asking, give us each day our daily bread. I want to translate this a little more literally, sort of in keeping with the the flow of what Jesus says. It's not good English, but it gives you more an idea of the impact. He says sort of literally sufficient, sufficient bread for today. Give it every day. It's a bold prayer. What I need today, I want that today. And I want that tomorrow. And I want it the next day. And I want the next day. Can you imagine going into your boss at work, something like that? Hey, lots going on at home. I'm going to need to take Monday off. Okay. And next Monday. And next Monday. And next Monday. I'm just going to need Mondays. That's what Jesus says you should be asking. That's how you should be asking God. What I need today, give that to me every single day day. It is this bold prayer, but you're just asking for what he's already said he's going to do. Remember one of his other teachings on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. He says to us, look, don't worry about your food, your clothing, or your shelter. Now seriously, don't worry about food. You ever seen those hierarchies of need, right? What's at the bottom? Food, clothing, and shelter. If you don't have those, you die. You absolutely need food, clothing, shelter. Jesus says, don't worry about food, clothing, and shelter. Your father, oh, he knows you need that. He'll take care of that. That doesn't need to be your worry. And so Jesus says, hey, pray that. God has said he will provide for you, so pray it. Ask him to do it. Ask him boldly. Father, what I need today, I need that today. And I'm gonna need it tomorrow, and I'm gonna need it the next day, and I'm gonna need it the next day. Just keep asking, God says. And then, secondly, so there's give us. Secondly, there's forgive us. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you know you need forgiveness. Right? We know that we have separated ourselves from God by our sin. We need to be forgiven. But just like the first one, we also know he's promised to do it. He's promised to take care of us, so we ask him to take care of us. He's promised he's forgiven us, so we ask him to forgive us. 
We're asking him for things he's already said, he has done, and he will continue to do. And so Jesus says, ask. I mean, he says, your father knows what you need before you ask. So ask. I'm kind of like, well, if you know what I need, right? Why don't you just do it? Asking is good for us. It is good for us to ask, and he likes to be asked. He knows what we need. He knows we need our daily bread. He knows we need forgiveness. He's already said he's going to do it. It's, it's done. It's taken care of. So ask. And then, of course, being Jesus, you know, he's got to slip. He's got to slip something in there. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And I really like the way he puts this. Again, I'm going to translate this a little, a little more literally. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who owes us anything. Because let's face it, people owe us. There's people in this room right now that owe you. And there's people in this room that you owe. Right? We have caused trouble for each other. We have sinned against one another. There are issues. We are fallen human people. We ask God to forgive us. And Jesus says, because of course, <laughs> we forgive others, right? The word forgive literally means to let go away. It, I told you the language they write in. It loves to take little words and stick them together. It's the word for release and the word for away put together. Just release it away. That's forgiveness. We ask God to just release away what we've done wrong. Because, Scripture says, Jesus has already paid for it. It's already taken care of. Like, we're not asking God to be unjust or to overlook something. We're just saying, hey, let that one go, Lord. Jesus has already taken care of it. And of course, Jesus turns around and says the same thing back to us. So Jeff, let that one go away because I've already taken care of it. If it's true for us with God, Jesus says, it should be true for us with others. God, God, forgive us our sins. And you have. We know you have. Scripture tells us. And we forgive everybody who owes us as well for exactly the same reason. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Now, this is not a sermon on forgiveness, so I just want to touch on this lightly. We are told to forgive over and over and over again. You know, Peter says to Jesus, well, how many times should I forgive? Like seven? Because the teaching of the day was three. You should, three strikes, it was a three strike and you're out rule in Judaism at the time. And so oh, Peter's being kind of magnanimous when he says seven, right? And Jesus' comment is, uh, no, Peter, you can't count high enough for how many times you need to forgive people. Every time they come back to you, you need to forgive them. That is what we are called to as believers. That does not mean that you have to put yourself in that position every time or you have to let people harm you. Right? If I ask you to come help me do something, volunteer, and I'm like, I'll take care of this and this and this, I just need you to do this, and you show up that day and I haven't done any of these things, you're gonna have to forgive me. I mean, it'd be great if I'm sorry, you gotta forgive me even if I'm not. Right? Next time I ask you to volunteer for something, because I'm going to do this and this and this, and all you need to do is show up, you should say no, because it's clear that that's not a true statement. Right? Forgiveness does not mean you got to keep saying yes to things, but it does mean you got to let it go away, because that's what Jesus has done for us. Give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, and then the third request, lead us 
not into temptation. And again, you know, that, that sounds really churchy. And it, it comes out of the old King James. He just says, look, don't take us to places of testing. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, you know, there's commission and there's omission, right? There's things I know I shouldn't do, I shouldn't watch, places I shouldn't go. I mean, it, probably he's talking about that, maybe. But he's certainly saying, don't take us places where we would be tempted because we don't know the future and we don't know what's gonna happen and we have all said yes to things and agreed to things that turned out to be really bad for us. We have all gotten involved in things that later we have said, oh wow, that was a mistake. That I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sure he is at least saying that much. Look, don't take us into places where we are going to be tested Give us what we need. Provide for us. Forgive us. And yes, we will forgive others. And please, don't take us places that are going to cause problems, that we are going to be tested and tried and tempted. Jesus gives us these, these three little things to remember. Father, hallowed, kingdom come. He gives us these three, a pretty general prayer request. But again, more than half of what he says is asking for things. Give us, forgive us. Lead us, lead us not, do not lead us. And we're only in verse four. The whole rest of this passage is these two stories that he tells about prayer. And they're almost contradictory stories. It's only the very first part that he says, look, this is what you should say. And now he tells us, look, this is what you need to remember. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to keep in mind. So the first story he tells, guy, Gets a friend come in, done that food, goes and wakes his buddy up in the middle of the night. It's like, hey, I need, can you lend me some food? I love that, lend me food? You're gonna give it back? What? It, but, but, you know, it sounds nice. Could you lend me some food, please? And the guy says, no. No, I'm not gonna, I'm in bed. The kids are in bed. You want me to wake up my whole family, get out of bed, go downstairs, get you some, it's not my fault your buddy showed up and it's not my fault you don't have any food. No, I'm not gonna get out of bed. And Jesus says flat out, Um, look, you know what? He's not going to give it to you out of friendship. He's not gonna give it to you out of friendship. He's gonna give it to you because you're such a pain in the butt. Like we say here, shameless audacity. If you're reading another translation, um, it might say boldness. It might say impudence. The King James says importunity. I have no idea what importunity means, but it sounds bad, doesn't it? That's very importune of you, don't you think? It sounds like something Darth Vader would say. Like, it's a bad word, okay? This is not a good word. This is a word means you're being shameful. What you are doing is shameful. Everyone knows it's shameful. And Jesus says, look, your buddy's not gonna give you bread just because he's your buddy. He's gonna give it to you because you're such a pain in the butt. You won't stop bothering him. He's gonna think to himself, I will get back to sleep easier if I go downstairs and give this idiot some bread. That's why he's gonna do it. He starts out this whole section with father, something no one in this time would ever say. No one would, nobody ever prays that way. Go back to the Old Testament, look through the other prayers. Nobody in Judaism is praying father. That's way too intimate. It's way too familiar. You pray to the Lord, the sovereign Lord. Jesus starts it out with Father. 
He reminds us of this incredible relationship we have. And then the first story he tells is a story about how, yeah, you're not gonna get it because of your special relationship. Sure, he's your buddy. He's not coming down. (laughs) You're just gonna have to be, wow. You're gonna be a pain in the butt. Then he will come down. The first story he talks about is just being shamelessly persistent. You get what you ask for, Jesus said, because you are shamelessly persistent. I heard an interview with a guy There was a woman back in the uh, 50s who's a a well-known faith healer in the Pentecostal church. And they're interviewing a guy, and she's long since dead, interviewing a guy a number of years ago who knew her when he was a kid. And the interviewer is asking her about, you know, so-and-so and and her gift of healing. And the guy starts, he's interviewing, starts laughing. It's like, she did not have the gift of healing. It's like, what do you mean? There's thousands of people attested to have been healed by her. It's like, no, there are thousands of people that she prayed for who got healed. She never said to anybody, in Jesus' name, walk. She didn't have the gift of healing. She had the gift of being a huge pain in the butt to God. (laughs) She would just go after him in prayer. Lord, how can you, how can you not have healed this person? Lord, what's wrong? Lord, just, I mean, she just went after him until. He had no choice but to heal the person to get her to shut up. She was such a pain in the butt to God. She did not have the gift of healing, he said. She had the gift of persistence. And wow, was she persistent. That's the first story Jesus tells. You're not gonna get what you ask for with this buddy because he's your buddy. You're gonna get it because you're such a pain. And then he turns around in verse 11 and he tells the exact opposite story. Which of you fathers? We're back to that special relationship again. Which of you fathers? If your kids asked you for a, a in this case, you know, snake and you, a fish, you get a snake and an egg, you get a scorpion and another one. He'll tell the story again in another place. He'll say, if your kid asks for a, bre- a loaf of bread, you're not going to hand him a stone. You guys are evil and you know how to be good to your kids. Won't your father in heaven be good to you? And wow, the example he chooses, I mean, talk about asking for the moon. Your father, your father in heaven will give you the Holy Spirit. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Nobody would dare ask for the Holy Spirit in this world. The Old Testament starts, Moses writes the first books of the Bible around 1400 BC. Jesus is preaching around 30 AD. In the 1400 years of biblical history, oh, you can count on two hands the number of people that had the Holy Spirit. Isaiah had it, David had it, Saul had it, Moses had it, Jeremiah had it. I'm starting to run low at this point. It it just... Nobody asked for the Holy Spirit. It's this incredibly special thing that God did when he called you to something. When God calls Saul to be the king, Saul's like, you gotta be kidding me. I am the least important person from the least important tribe in Israel. Nobody is gonna follow me as king. And God says, oh, but you're gonna have something nobody else has. And Saul gets God's spirit and he can do stuff and he knows stuff, and he can be the king. David, same thing. God gives the Holy Spirit to people. You don't ask for it, and it's not a, it's not a gift. Like, hey, lend me some bread. Like, Jesus, Jesus picks, I can't think of something in his world that would be more shoot for the moon than to ask God for the Holy Spirit. And that's the example he gives of what your dad will do for you if you ask. He will give you something that 
only a handful of people, really, really important people ever got. And when they messed up, it got taken away. Because of Saul's disobedience and just outright rebellion over and over again, God removes his spirit from Saul. When David has a guy killed so he can take his wife and God is not pleased, David writes Psalm 51, this song, Psalm of Repentance. And he's like, yep, I did it, it's my fault. Please forgive me. And the next thing he says is, please don't take your spirit from me. Please. I think because he saw it happen to his, his Saul, the king before him. He was, in, he was one of Saul's bodyguards. He was right there. The, the Holy Spirit, that's an incredible ask. And Jesus just tosses it out there. Hey, you guys, you're lousy dads and you know how to give good gifts. Don't you think the perfect dad would give you the biggest gift that you can think of. Jesus tells these two stories. This story about how you're not going to get what you ask for because of special relationship. You're going to get it because you're persistent. And then he tells a story how about you're absolutely going to get it because of your special relationship. It's your father. Your dad is the king. He can give you anything he wants. And remember I've told you about how these guys, they don't tell stories the way we tell stories. They don't make arguments the way we have arguments. Do you notice we talked about the patterns? They tend to repeat things and move in and move out. Notice the very first thing he says back up in verse two, father. And the very first prayer request is about bread. And then there's a story about needing bread. And now there's a story about father. That's how they do things. And the conclusion's not at the end. The, what Jesus, his conclusion about prayer, it's not ask for the Holy Spirit. His conclusion's in the middle of the stories, verse nine. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Three times in Hebrew, that's important. When you say something three times, three different ways, that, that, that's completeness. It's wholeness. And then in case you didn't get it, he just repeats it again. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door opens. He says it twice. He says the same three things two times. That's Jesus' conclusion about prayer. Is that you will get what you ask for. Now, sometimes you may get it because of your special relationship, because you're a son or daughter of the king, and wow, he is willing to give you the moon if he's willing to give you the spirit I mean, in this world. And sometimes you get it just because you're a huge pain in the butt, and you just keep asking. And so it's just easier to give you what you're asking for. Oh, every parent has been there. It's just easier to give you what you're asking for than to keep fighting this battle, who knows? And then there's all sorts of ranges in between. But that's his conclusion about prayer. You will, you absolutely will, three times, and then repeated, you will get what you're asking for. You'll get what you're seeking. The doors you're looking to be opened, they will absolutely be opened, Jesus said. Maybe because your dad's a king, maybe because you're a pain, and you keep asking. Again, so many of these things, we hold them in tension. Father, hallowed, we hold those decisions. Here's what I want, but I want your will more than that. Here's what I need, but you've promised to do it. All of these things that we as believers, as we pray, we gather here, we pray together. Now, usually it's someone up front praying, but you notice we pray a lot. The, the, the folks who are serving today, we meet in the fireside room before the service and pray for the service. We pray at the beginning of the service for the worship set. We pray before the sermon. I'll pray before communion. Then I'll pray again before the next, the final worship set, and then we'll pray and dismiss all of you. Like we're gonna ask God for a lot of stuff in one church service. 
Usually it's someone up here doing it. Sometimes it's all of us together. Sometimes we bring people up. Like we, we brought the two girls who were traveling to Romania a couple weeks ago. We brought them up and we prayed over them. We're gonna ask God for all these things. What do you, where do you need to change your thinking? As we pray together and as you pray alone, as you pray at home and, and in your car and at work, what of these tensions do you need to hold? You know, like, do you fall off to one side or other of the character of God? You know, that you see God as really distant and far away, and so, you know, it's like the China cabinet. Eh, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll talk to him, but, but not a lot, and he's very busy. And, you know, do you have that idea of God, or do you, do you have the idea of God of, oh, yeah, he's here, he's always around, but, but, you know, he just wants me to be happy, and he just wants what I want. And, like, do you fall to one side or another of that? Are, are you not reminding yourself? which I think Jesus reminds us, that what we want is God's will. Like at the end of the day, we want what he wants because what he wants is always better. Do you need to remind yourself of this tension between our special relationship with God the Father and persistence? Okay, all of you right now, right here today, you have the power to be a huge pain in the butt. I guarantee you, everyone in this room knows how to be a huge pain in the butt. We learned it from childhood on car trips. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. He's touching me. We all know how to be persistently pains in the butt. Someone asks you, what was this sermon about, right? Pastor said, be a pain in the butt. You, we all can do that. Maybe you need to be more persistent. There is stuff I have been praying for for decades. You know, when they asked me to be the pastor of this church a little over, almost, at, almost exactly 10 years ago, um, I said, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not pastoring a church that has millions of dollars in debt. But God said, I'll take care of it. There's not a day goes by that I don't say to God, you haven't taken care of it yet. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate what's happening, but you have not, you have not taken care of it. Maybe you're taking care of it, right? But I know enough grammar to know those two things are not the same. Today, you gonna take care of it today? You said you'd take care of it. Right? We all, I'm willing to bet, have things in our lives. If you've been a follower of Christ for decades, you have things you've been praying for for decades. Keep praying. Keep after him. Make it easier for him to give you what you ask for than to listen to you over and over and over again. Everybody, we can all do that. Where do you need to change your thinking? Because we pray a lot. Every time you come in here, we pray a lot. We think it's important. It's part of worship. How do you need to engage in that more? Like what, what needs to happen in you where do you, you know, do you need to be more persistent? Do you need to remember that God's your father? Which of these stories, we all fall to one side or another. We've got to hold them in tension. All these different things. So I'm going to pray for us. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to ask God's spirit to speak to us. Like, have we fallen off to one side or another? You know, do, do we get this story, but we don't get that story? Do we, do we feel this way about God, but we don't feel that way? Where do we need to, to bring some things back into our, our thinking so that we pray better, we, we pray more biblically, that we look more like what Jesus said. I'm gonna ask God's spirit to speak to us about those things. And as you hear me say every week, if he says anything to you, do it. Because everything he says is good. 
Everything he says is for your good. Even if you pray desperately for X and what you need is Y, then he's going to give you Y because he is your good father. He's, even if you, you are praying desperately for a scorpion, he's going to give you an egg because you don't need a scorpion. So let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that these things are true about you. Uh, thank you that, that you taught us these things. That, that God is our father and yet never gives up for one moment being God. That, that we will receive the things we are asking for in prayer. But it may be according to your will and not according to ours. And we want that. That it, it, As scripture says, your ways are not our ways. And your timing sure isn't our timing. But it will happen for certain, no question. But Jesus, I pray for us. I know that I fall off to one side or another of these things. Sometimes I, I see you as too distant to care and sometimes I see you as, as too close to, to do anything about it. I know I fall off one side or another of so many of these tensions. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Where does each of us need to think differently so that we pray better, more in line with what you have said, so that we gather, even right now, as I am praying out loud and my brothers and sisters are praying silently and listening to your spirit. Jesus, we wanna do that better. We wanna be more in tune with you, how you want us to pray, what it means for us to pray persistently, but to pray confidently, because our heavenly father will always give us good gifts. Holy Spirit, I pray for my brothers and sisters that, that now, even as we are praying, that you will speak to them, that as we take communion and remind ourselves of what you have done, that you will speak to us, that as we sing again to close out the service, that you will speak to us. Jesus, we are your children. You, Lord God, sovereign Lord God, you are our Father. And so we can ask you for things no one else can. And you'll say yes to things that you wouldn't say yes to anyone else. Thank you. We're so grateful. Jesus, we say exactly what your disciples said to you. Teach us how to pray. You know how prayerless so many of our lives are. Help us, Holy Spirit. Remind us. Teach us how to pray. We ask this in your name, Lord, because we are your servants. We ask it because we believe that it is good and right and you want these things. So Jesus, we pray that you will do them for your glory and for our great good. Amen. Now, let's close this time, this part of the service, as we always do, by reminding ourselves, why can we call God our Father? Because Jesus is our brother and he has made it possible. Why can we ask for forgiveness? because Jesus has paid for these things. It's not on us anymore. We remind ourselves of that every week because he told us to. So there are stations in all four of the corners. There's one here to my right. This one has gluten-free if you need it. I'm gonna pray for us again. And then let me encourage you, as soon as I finish, just go to whichever station looks closest or has the smallest line. Get the bread, get the cup, take it back to your seats. We'll take it together. Let me just remind you, I don't always say this, but I try and say it periodically. We call this communion, the Lord's Supper, and scripture says it is specifically for Jesus followers. If you're not a follower of Christ, then just please hang in your seat. No one will think any differently about you. 
This is the only part of the service that if you are not a follower of Christ, then we just ask you to, to hang back. This, this is for people who, who have committed themselves to the Lord. So let me pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. We're always gonna say that every time we do this. Thank you. You did not have to do this for us. You were not responding to us. We hadn't done these great things. You didn't look down and say how wonderful we were, and so we needed to be saving, saved. You looked down and said how pathetic we were and how lost and how desperate we were, and you had compassion on us. Thank you. Jesus, we, we do exactly what the scripture says. We remember the only reason we call the sovereign Lord Father is because of what you did. The only reason we ask you to provide for us is because of what you did. The only reason we ask God for forgiveness and can extend it to all others is because of what you did. We remember, Lord. Help us to remember again this morning. Help us to remind ourselves again so, so it sticks a little longer than it did last time because I know it is so easy to forget. And Jesus, as always, we pray these things in your name because we are your servants. We are doing what you have told us to do in obedience and in joy. Amen.